Hey, what's good, everybody? This is Big Ed Jones, former host of the Unconquered Era podcast. I know it's been a little bit since you heard my voice. I did have to step back for a couple of reasons, but as I am a former host, I am always a listener. And I wanted to hop in and say happy birthday to Taylor Myrick. And you know that Taylor is the Mater T because he's finna serve you up and serve it with some panache. So, hey, keep cooking it up, Taylor. We love you, bro. Hey, this is Tommy Polly, and you're listening to the Uncocked Aaron Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Thursday, so you know what that means. That means it's time for more of the Unconquered Era Podcast. I am Jason McDowell, and with me, my cohort, my partner in crime, Taylor Myrick. How you doing this week, brother? Man, I'm doing fantastic, man. Ready to dive into these topics, ready to uh, give our listeners some knowledge. And hey, man, once again, man, please, please, if you're listening, please share our page on Facebook, not just Twitter. To share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, whatever you got, whatever your social media is, share us, man, the Unconquered Era Podcast. The more you share, the more people listen, and the more content that we can pump out for you guys, man. So please, man, subscribe, share, do whatever it is you got to do. Hell, hop on Google, man. Give us that little five-star review, but I'm happy to be here once again. So let's go ahead and dive in, man. Hey, man, you said a mouthful right there. Before we get into the sports talk, as usual, we're going to start off with a little bit of housekeeping just because we like to leave the world a little bit better than we find it. Just shouting out the homie James Coleman. He's got his second annual community give back weekend coming up, not this upcoming weekend, but the following here in Tallahassee. And then a few weeks later is going to be over in Jacksonville. Here's the details on that. Saturday, July 24th, be at Bond Elementary School. Once again, that's Bond Elementary School. 2204 Saxon Street. The food giveaway is from 9 a.m. until noon. The backpacks will be given away at that same time period. We are in need of volunteers. We are in need of resources. If you want to go to James's website to get plugged in either on giving or registering for a book bag or to volunteer, your website to get plugged in is jamescolemangivesback.com. Once again, that's jamescolemangivesback.com. Not only is he doing the food drive and the book bag drive on the 24th, the next day, the 25th, he's doing a youth football camp, 400 West Avenue, excuse me, West Orange Avenue in Tallahassee from 9 to 11 on Sunday, the 25th. So get your jits some experience, have them hang out and learn from somebody who's actually scored in both end zones of Doug Campbell Stadium, as James so eloquently puts it. But guys, his website will get you plugged in as far as getting registered to serve, getting registered if your child or children is in need of a backpack. You know, even if you just want to give, if you're somewhere where you can't be in Tallahassee or can't be in Jacksonville, the ask that James has is $36. He says the book backpacks have about $36 worth of supplies in them. If you want to sponsor multiple kids, plug in. You know, I sent some money over to James just myself the other day. I'm going to be there for the food drive and backpack giveaway. So let's find ways to serve our community just a little bit better. Now, now that we've mentioned that, one more piece of housekeeping. Guys, as you hear this episode, as it is dropping on Thursday, July 15th, we got a birthday, y'all. Y'all, show your love for the birthday boy himself, Taylor Myrick. Happy birthday to you, my friend. How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling blessed, man. Happy to be here. You know, experience. A lot of loss in this past year, but you know, man, I'm just happy to be here once again. Thank God for it. And, you know... It's not about me on this birthday. It's never about me on any birthday. And speaking of, you know, James Coleman's uh, charity efforts, you know, uh, guys, please, man, don't give me what I want for my birthday, man. Don't shout me out on social media. None of that type of stuff, man. Go and donate to James. It's called Sponsor a Kid. Help these kids, you know, have the resources and supplies that they need when they start back school in about a month or so. Like, let's give back. Let's continue to uh, add to what James is doing, man. So, 
hey, in a day that it should that it should be all about me, hey, donate, click that link and support, man. You know what James has got going on because it's a great cause. I'm gonna be there. Shoot, I'm gonna volunteer my time and uh, shoot. I'm probably gonna bring my nephew out to the camp as well. So, hey guys, like all I want for my birthday, man. Click that link, support James, so James can help these kids. Man, you ain't lying, Taylor. James can explain it much more eloquently than I can, but you know his slogan, MFTK. But for these kids, he's got a lot of time for. So get plugged into JamesColemanGivesBack.com. You know, if you're needing some assistance, get registered, get your kids backpacks. There's going to be food there. There will be a line so you can get there, get plugged in and get this assistance. Let's do something big for the community. The last one that happened here in Tallahassee was the day of the spring game. I was blessed to be able to be there and serve along with James and a lot of other people who may or may not want to be named because it's not about the attention. It's about your intentions, not the attention. Well, man, we're going to leave it right there. Let's go hop right into sports talk for the week. Taylor, there's been a lot brewing in Tallahassee in multiple fronts. How about you lead us off this week with our FSU football recruiting update? Awesome, awesome, man. Let's hop right into it. It's going to be quick, but, hey, it's going to be very, very uh, impactful with the information that I'm about to provide. Uh, It's out there, you know, on on the internet, all you got to do is Google it if you want it. But hey, you're listening to our podcast. I got the information. So first things first, guys, we got another commitment. We got another addition uh, to the Seminole family. But this time it's going to be in the 2021 class. We got a late signee. He's going to be able to participate in fall camp and hopefully get some rest, I mean some reps and get it acclimated to, uh, you know, the FSU football program. And that newest addition to the 2021 class, he hails from Broward County. By way of Alabama A&M, he is a transfer. It is Max Cushney, a 6'2", 245-pound defensive end. Uh, He had seven sacks over the course of the last two seasons. You know, excuse me, 14 sacks over the last two seasons. Seven sacks in four games uh, last year. Excuse me, in a uh, spring short and FCS season. So it's pretty obvious. You know, this guy, he knows how to get after the pass. And that's what Florida State needs. You know, they need more guys on that defensive line, more defensive line depth, you know, guys that, you know, that they can rotate in, keep fresh and add pressure to the quarterback. And I think this guy's going to be a plug and play guy just based off of the fact that he's played at the college level and he's produced. Now, obviously it's going to be a step up in competition, but still he has the experience he's played and he's produced. So I think he's going to be a great addition to this program. Uh, I think he's going to help his team. Uh, Not really, you know, your long lanky uh, edge rusher type, but, you know, at 6'2", he's going to use his leverage to bend, you know, to bend that corner, get around that offensive tackle and get to the quarterback. So I like what we have in Max Cushney. I love what Mike Norvell is doing. He's not giving up yet. He understands that we got to continue to add. We got to continue to add talent and we got to continue to add depth to this roster. So, man, I love it. I love it. Um, so Max Cushney, the, the newest addition to the Seminole family, class of 2021, he's going to be eligible to play this fall so guys man look out look out for this defensive line with the additions of you know the likes of jermaine johnson the grad transfer from georgia uh keir thomas the grad transfer from south carolina like man this is going to be a new look revamped defensive line and i think fans should be excited to see this now moving on uh another top prospect uh top target of florida state Jaleel skinner he has just recently accepted an invitation to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Now, the only reason why I'm mentioning this is because, you know, Skinner, he's uh, expected to take his recruitment all the way to that point. You know, so he's going to be a guy that probably decides, uh, you know, uh, at the uh, U.S. Army All-American game. But he's very high on FSU. FSU, they're doing everything that they can to you know, keep, keep him in their good graces. And so far, so well. He's very interested. Uh, he is a... I think he has superstar potential, uh, one of the better receiving prospects in his class. So, yes, keep an eye out on Jaleel Skinner. And lastly, guys, uh, Kenyatta Watson. Kenyatta Watson, a couple years ago, you may have heard that name in the class of 2018 recruiting circles when 
Uh, Kenyatta Watson was very high on Florida State. Uh, I believe he committed to Florida State, ultimately ended up decommitting, uh, and then, you know, ultimately signed with Georgia Tech. But Kenyatta Watson, this addition uh, to the administrative staff is very important because now he's added on as the director of player relations. And the reason why I say it's so important is because he hails from Grayson High School one of the, in Loganville, Georgia, one of the best high school football programs in America. You being from Georgia, uh, Jason, I'm pretty sure that you can attest to the uh, powerhouse that Grayson High School has become. Uh, uh, interesting fact, uh, Watson, he served as the, uh, excuse me, the director, the uh, director of football operations and recruiting for Grayson High School for four years, 2014 to 2018. And in that time frame, 120 athletes signed scholarships, Division One scholarships under his tenure. So that says a lot. That 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 says a lot about his ability to uh, relate to kids and be his ability to speak to kids and to you know figure out their needs and to get them where they're going. And I think it's only gonna you know add to the rapport that this administrative staff, this coaching staff, has with this player. Getting the guy in there that understands these kids' language, understand you know where these kids are coming from, and he's relatable. You know he played college ball himself at Boston College. And then on top of that, he's a Florida boy. He's from Deerfield Beach, Florida. So he's going to be able to uh, help this staff, you know, establishing uh, good, solid ground, continue to establish good, solid ground recruiting-wise in the state of Florida. So I love this addition, adding King Edward Watson, his credentials. They speak for himself. Uh, the things that he, he's done in past role shows that he's a, he's a guy that knows how to interact and get the best out of young children. I mean, excuse me, out of young kids. Absolutely, man. And with the Ryan Bartow hire a few months back, and now this hire, we're becoming very player-focused, athlete-focused as far as building those relationships to where they have a guy, not just their head coach, not just their position coach, but a guy, a fixer. And that that does so much because, you know, we've mentioned previously on unofficials where the ability to speak coach to players sometimes is limited. Those auxiliary roles can kind of step in the gap there. And by having names like Kenyatta Watson, who, like you mentioned, he's a powerhouse name in the Atlanta area. You know, if you're anybody who knows anything about high school and college football in the Atlanta area, you've heard that name. So, you know that it carries weight. And if I was Coach Norvell, I would immediately put him as the head of recruiting for Central to North Georgia and just give him that whole area to comb through because it's a very talent rich area and maybe not make him the lead recruiter, but let him open some doors for us. Going even back to the Norvell hire, we mentioned about establishing a new floor and building relationships. And that's one thing that Coach Norvell does extremely well. And he's showing that to you day by day by day by day. He's getting people in positions to open doors that he either couldn't open himself or it's always best to have somebody put their foot in the door and just bring you on in. So I think it's a slam dunk hire, Taylor. Indeed, for all those reasons that you mentioned, man, it's only going to help. Florida State staff, you know, established relationships in different areas with coaches and players and things of that nature. So I love the hire. And I love what Mike Norville is doing. Like you said, he's making it player focused, hiring former players who want who, who understand what it's like to be a player so they can relate to the players and get the best out of them. Absolutely. What else do we have on the FSU football front this week as we inch closer and closer and closer to fall camp beginning? Nothing here. I'm pretty sure it'll be something, you know, something juicy pops up within the next week. Absolutely. Keep your eyes and ears open because the ACC kickoff is coming soon. So there's always nuggets of information about our team and the rest of the teams in the ACC that happen to shake loose during the ACC kickoff. So keep your ears and eyes open for that. If we don't have anything else on the FSU football front, let's move next door to Mike Martin Field at Dick Hauser Stadium. 
because there's a lot shaking with FSU baseball right now. As we're recording, the 2021 MLB draft just ended a few hours ago. So we've got a lot of things moving and shaking. We've got players who were eligible that got drafted. We've got players who didn't get drafted and recruits that got drafted. So this is going to be a little long-winded, but hang with me because we've got a lot of meat on the bone. We've got four players that are currently on the roster who were draft eligible, whose names were entered in the draft, but were not selected. Starting off in the bullpen, we've got pitchers Davis Hare and Jonas Scalaro, who both still have eligibility left, who were not drafted, who can come back or choose to go into free agency. We've got currently injured outfielder Reese Albert, who's nursing a shoulder, who was also not drafted, which I think coming back and finalizing his last year at FSU would be a great idea to show that he's recovered from injury and from the selfish perspective brings a veteran bat and veteran experience to this team. Lastly, we've got infielder Logan Lacey, who also was not drafted, who's coming back with eligibility. So those four players Unfortunately, we're not drafted, but still have the ability to come back to Tallahassee and contribute in 2021-22. Let's move forward to our guys who are drafted. First off, of course, you knew this man would be the first one off the board. National Player of the Year, according to many publications, catcher Matthew Nelson went off the board 35th to the Reds. So congratulations to him. And hopefully he'll be in the show within the next few years. Next up, we skip down to round eight. We've got outfielder Robbie Martin being drafted by the Rockies organization in round eight. Next, pitcher Hunter Perdue selected by the Marlins in round 10. Reliever Jack Anderson to the Detroit Tigers organization in the 16th round. Jack really improved his stock in the second half of the season by just being one of the most consistent arms in the FSU bullpen. So kudos to him for that. Next up in the following round, the 17th, slugger Elijah Cabell went to the Cardinals. You know, we all mentioned earlier in the year how Elijah sometimes struggled with consistency at the plate, injuries, and strikeouts. So to see him go 17th to the Cardinals, With the right hitting coach and discipline, hopefully he can begin hitting more for average and still maintain that power that he flashed so many times at Dick Hauser Stadium because you can't find anybody in college baseball with more raw power at the plate than Elijah Cabell has had the past few years. Moving forward to the 18th round, the AL East gets a little bit more garnered in gold blood as the Orioles select my guy, Connor Grady, in the 18th. Moving forward to the 20th round, reliever Tyler Ahern joins Robbie Martin in the Rockies organization. Tyler Ahern has an electric arm. Looking forward to seeing what he can do to improve his control and just really make a foothold for himself in that Rockies organization. Another thing to remember, that differs from the NFL and NBA drafts. Out of our current roster players that were drafted, all of them have remaining eligibility still. So if they're unhappy with the slot that they were drafted in, they can choose to come back if they feel like another season of play will improve their draft stock. There's a lot of kind of intricate rules with the MLB draft that we're not going to dive deep into. Well, we definitely can say that all of our players who were drafted do have eligibility and do have the option to come back. So now that we've mentioned out of our current roster who was drafted, we do have three potential former players who are out of eligibility who can be signed on by teams as free agents. First, we have reserve outfielder Nico Baldor. Then, which is a, this is a surprise to me, 
our two strongest bullpen arms the past few years, Chase Haney and Clayton Kwiatkowski. Neither one of those gentlemen were drafted, but we hope and pray that they get latched on somewhere as a free agent with some organization. It's with so many players getting drafted in the MLB draft, it happens. We understand and we just hope the best for all three of those guys. Lastly, on the baseball front, let's talk impact on the incoming class, because unlike the NFL, you know, high school prospects are draft eligible prior to playing. So our number one prospect that everyone's been coveting, Edwin Arroyo, he's a shortstop. He was taken with the 48th overall pick by the Mariners. As of yet, we have not heard whether he is going to accept the deal or come to Tallahassee quite yet. He was just drafted on Monday of this week, so waiting to hear more. Next up, our highest pitching prospect, Jackson Baumeister. Good news here, guys. He withdrew his name from the draft prior to being selected and will for sure be enrolling at FSU. So that is a great addition. The last one that we've got is our top left-handed pitching prospect, Mitch Bratt, who went to Georgia Perimeter Academy. He was taken in the fifth round by the Rangers. And as I mentioned, we haven't heard quite yet on whether he's going to pursue that or whether he's still going to make his way to Tallahassee. But we definitely have a lot of impact in the roster. As Taylor, Ed, and I mentioned a few months back, the roster that we see for fall ball and coming forward into spring of next year is going to look very much different than what we ended the season with. But that's what I've got for FSU baseball this week. Any thoughts, Taylor? Uh, no thoughts in particular. Uh, you know, I expected Matt Nelson to go where he went. Um, you know, feel really good about Robbie Martin. You know, I feel like Robbie Martin, he's going to be a good uh, pro player. You know what I'm saying? Once he rises through uh, minor league ball, I think he's going to be a solid addition to, uh, you know, the organization that's selecting him. Uh, just because, you know, his ability to, you know, get on base, hit the ball well, and just put the ball in play. So I like that. Very unfortunate, uh, you know, about the uh, undrafted guys. But, hey, it happens. We understand it. But like you said, we just hope that they get an opportunity and everything like that. And, but, yeah, man, the main thing that I take away from everything that you said that and kind of like what we talked about, you know, going into the season, that this is a very, very young team. And, you know, this young team, they got so much experience and got their feet wet. So just like you say, it's going to be a different uh, team going in the fall ball and the spring ball. But we're just excited to see what the potential is for this young team. Absolutely. And just to temper some expectation, we've sang the praises of Matt Nelson all of the season. For those of you, because I saw some people on social media who said, oh, well, why did Matt Nelson go so far back if he was the national player of the year? That's not how that works in baseball at all. Yes, Matthew Nelson was worthy of being National Player of the Year, and several organizations named him as such. But he wasn't the top overall available prospect. The Pirates taking Henry Davis number one, and he be a catcher, he go over Matthew Nelson, completely and totally understandable. Matt had a great career at FSU. Henry Davis had an all-world career at Louisville. What Matt did in one year, Henry Davis has done over his career. So the higher level of consistency in performance is there. And as far as best catchers in the nation, I'd have it one, two for this season, but over over a long-standing time period, I would have to lean Henry Davis. But I feel like all of our players who did get drafted got drafted in optimal spots. Like, even you may say, oh, somebody's a 20th round draft pick. Somebody's an 18th round draft pick. The MLB draft is not the same bird as what you think from looking at the NBA or NFL drafts. 
you know, you get to the right organization and you work your way up to the show, you know, look at some of the current FSU alums that are in Major League Baseball right now. Taylor Walls, John Nagowski. I bet so many people have forgotten the name of John Nagowski since he left Tallahassee. He went, worked his way up through his organization, worked his way up through the Pirates organization, got to the show, and he's swinging one of the hottest bats in the league right now going into the All-Star break. So just because you're there's a big number besides you when you're drafted, that's not a death sentence whatsoever. Because there's always going to be injuries. There's always going to be people who... Baseball's a finicky game. You might just lose the ability to pitch all of a sudden. So being a high-round draft pick's not always a bad thing. Well, do we have anything else on FSU baseball before we move into professional athletics this week? No, sir. All right, man. Well, we will segue right along. We are in the thick of the NBA Finals. As we're recording this, the series is 2-1 in favor of Phoenix. By the time you guys hear this game, four will have been played. Tyler, give me some of your insight on this series so far. Well, for one, you know, based on game three, you know, we saw what this series series could be like when Giannis is healthy or when Giannis is close to being healthy. You know, he dropped, what, 41 points, 13 rebounds, had six assists. You know what I'm saying? It's clear, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are a different team when he's effective and when he's um, healthy enough to play and whatnot. But uh, some people may look at it as a, as a roadblock for the Phoenix Suns. Me personally, I do not. Uh, I still think that the Phoenix Suns did a deeper team. I think that, you know, you know they can't win every game. I, I, didn't, I didn't have them, you know, sweeping the Bucks. You know, by any stretch of the imagination, but still a deeper team. You know, Chris Paul is going to do what he does. Devin Booker, you know, yeah, he had 10 points last game. That was kind of, you know, an anomaly. You, you, know, you usually don't get that performance out of him. So in order for, you know, this not to happen again, for the Suns not to lose again, the they're going to need more than 10 points from Devin Booker. Devin Booker, but like I said, uh, they're still getting good minutes from guys like Mikael Bridges, Jamison uh, Crowder, you know, uh, Johnson. Kaminsky, so they're a deep team, and whenever you know they got to switch it up, Monty Williams, he needs to switch it up, change up the lineup. They can do that. The Bucks, to me, they they go as Giannis goes, and that's unfortunate. I know Chris Middleton; he's a very good player. He's a very uh, you know clutch player, as we've seen in this playoffs and whatnot. But he he just can't carry this team to a championship unless you know Giannis is there to be the Superman and he can add assistance. So that's pretty much what. You know, I'm seeing so far in the series or whatever, you know, uh, Drew Holiday, he's continued to be a factor last game. 21 points, nine assists, five rebounds. Uh, P.J. Tucker continues to do a solid job defensively. So they just have to keep that up to overcome the depth of the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns, like I say, they are the deeper team. And the Bucks, they just, they just need Giannis to be, you know, close to being fully healthy as he possibly can for them to have a chance in the series. And we saw what happened came out with a 20-point victory. And, you know, really, after, you know, the second quarter, you know, the game really wasn't close. So we just got to see. I'm still liking liking what I see from the Suns. I still think that it's the Suns series to lose just because, you know, they don't rely necessarily so much on one player. And then if they did, you know, that one player is healthy. Unfortunately for the Bucs, their player, he, you know, he's still, you know, uh, recovering from a hyperextended knee, and he's just giving it his all. They keep going out there and will his team to victory. So we'll see, you know, which strategy uh, outlasts the other. But I just think that with the Suns and uh, Chris Paul's leadership, Monty Williams' leadership, his ability to, you know, to uh, mix and match the roster with the depth that they had, you know, how to put the team in good situations. Man, I just I just feel like it's the Suns series still to lose, even after the 20-point game three loss. Yeah, I think what Milwaukee switched up with and did them a lot of good in Game 3 was making an intentional decision to attack the paint and get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble because, think about it, 
he spent the majority of game three in foul trouble, was limited to his smallest amount of time on the court in the entire playoffs. So him being a big body presence in the paint, that just allows Giannis to be a presence in the paint. It allows for more slashing and going to the rim. So those things will definitely set you up for success. And then going and drawing those fouls, Giannis shot more free throws in game three himself than the Suns did as a team. So by going, getting people in foul trouble, then going to the line, that's an easy, easy recipe to get an early lead. I don't think they'll be able to repeat that same mindset every single game because this team just loves to shoot jumpers when there's no reason, but it just seems like this Bucks team is not situationally aware all the time. It's like the light bulb is on like one every couple games, then it just goes off. But when it's on, they're cooking. Because honestly, they won by 20 the other night and could have won by even more than that because they were just dominating. So let me ask you this. So far, we've seen three games. By the times our by the time our listeners hear this, they'll have seen four games. Are you still standing in the same place that you were with your prediction on the series? Are you a little bit more thinking that it's going to go a different direction? No, I'm still standing where I'm at though, just because, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the Suns are the deeper team and they don't necessarily rely on one player to win the victory. The Bucks they need Giannis, and if Giannis is like, I just don't buy. Him being being able to be healthy enough to play at a 41.13 rebound a game clip for the rest of the series because that's what they're going to need in order to win the series for him and I just don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to do it. So Suns all day, still. I agree with you. I think they're going to continue to stretch them out, and it's going to end up being Suns and six. It's going to be some exciting basketball over the next few days. By the time we join you next week, we will have an NBA champion, and I do believe that they're going to be in the city of Phoenix. It's just going to be hard to continue to slow down all the role players and the pick-and-roll attack of the Suns. So what else? Do we have anything else on the finals? No, sir. Okay. Well, while we're speaking about the NBA, man, I want to get your thoughts. The Orlando Magic earlier this week announced their new head coach, and it's going to be Jamal Mosley, who he's got some coaching experience as an assistant. He played at the University of Colorado. Just give me your thoughts on Jamal Mosley and how do you feel that he's going to fit the Orlando organization? You know, I think he's going to bring a lot of accountability and toughness to this organization. You know, uh, you know, coming from Denver, you know, a team that is steadily becoming, you know, one of the uh, better teams in the Western Conference. I think he's going to bring a lot of that culture there. I think they're going to try to, uh, you know, rebuild this team. And obviously not try it. They're already doing it. You know, they traded, you know, Vujacek, Aaron Gordon, uh, and Evan Fournier during the season, uh, this past regular season. So. Uh, in doing so, uh, you know, now they hold, you know, two of the top eight picks in this year's uh, NBA draft that's coming up uh, shortly after the finals here. So it's pretty obvious, you know, that they're trying to rebuild this team. They're trying to uh, get a lot of, you know, new guys in there that they can new and young guys in there that they can get to buy into this program. And I think Mosley, a guy who has over, uh, you know, 15 years of um, assistant coaching experience in Denver, Cleveland and Dallas. You know what I'm saying? He was with the with the Mavericks, uh, you know, uh, the last seven seasons. So he's I'm pretty sure he's learned a lot from a great coach in this league like Rick Carlisle. So I think he's ready for this role. He's a young guy, you know, for the most part at 42 years old. So he's going to bring a lot of energy to this team, and he's going to bring um, a lot of you know fresh blood to this franchise that really needs it because the Magic, you know, for you know the last five plus seasons, you know they they. Not necessarily been a doorman at the league, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, they'll make a you know a first-round playoff appearance, exit, then have a bad season, and then, you know, 
repeat the process. So I think that this guy, he's going to try to bring in some consistency. And I like Mosley. I really do. I think, you know, um, by watching this press conference, he's really excited to be in Orlando and he sees a great opportunity here. And anytime you see a coach that sees a great opportunity, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that every coach, when they take the job, they see a great opportunity. But this is a really good situation for them. With all of the picks that they have, they can go out and draft, you know, just, just this year, go out and draft, you know, two impact players high in the lottery. So we'll just see what they do, you know, uh, you know, as far as when the season starts. But so far, man, I think that Mosley, he's going to be a guy that's going to stick around in Orlando for a while. And um, I'm not saying that he's going to bring them, you know, make them like, you know, uh, a top team in the Eastern Conference immediately, but slowly but surely, you know, I have faith in Jamal Mosley. And I think that he's the right guy at this time, you know, for the Orlando Magic. He's just what they need, a young guy who is eager and ready to coach, you know, a young franchise full of fresh faces. I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. He's got a young, exciting talent nucleus. Then two top ten draft picks. Man, I'm glad. Part of me as a fair NBA fan is glad to see Orlando finally admit that they're in rebuilding mode. But since they're in the same division as my Hawks, it kind of sucks to see because I'm so used to getting the vibes from the Magic organization that we're just one piece away from making a run. We're just one piece away from making a run. And the farthest that they run is to the bottom of the standings. So after having the season that they had, like you mentioned, trading so much talent away, accruing picks, going and getting a first-time young head coach who is not going to be impressionable because he sat under the learning tree of a seasoned coach like Rick Carlisle. He's got the experience of being in the playoffs for years and years. He's got the experience of seeing what it takes to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. He can come in and shape and mold this team, this young nucleus, to be what it can be. And that's the ideal situation for the Magic, in my opinion. I just don't see how they can screw this up unless either he's a bust or they draft two busts in a few weeks during the NBA draft. Beyond that, this should bring some hope and some joy to Magic fans around the country. But speaking of joy, let's transition to the antithesis. Should USA basketball fans be concerned with these exhibition losses over the past few days, including the loss to Nigeria last Saturday? Hell yeah, but the boys lost to Australia, bro. Shoot, ain't nothing but kangaroos at Australia, bro. They they wouldn't have lost to them boys, but that's embarrassing, bro. That's embarrassing to the league. That's embarrassing to USA basketball. Bro, that's embarrassing to anybody in America, bro, that watches basketball, man. We had to sit there and watch through these past two exhibition games. No, man, this is awful. But see, but see, here's the problem, though. This is this is the problem. The problem is, is that these NBA guys, they are so used to playing the NBA rules. Like you got to think the NBA, they don't play it with international basketball rules like everybody else does. They got their own special set of rules because you know why? It's the highest uh, revenue generating league, the most popular league in the world as far as when it comes to basketball, and if not all of sports. So. They're going to protect these guys. They're going to make sure these guys don't get hurt. So why do you think they took away hand-checking? Why do you think they added flagrant tools and everything like that? The game is soft as hell, and that's basically what what is transitioning and being applied, you know, in these exhibition games. Like, the USA basketball team, they saw. Like, they, they expect them, you know, they going to the right, thinking, okay, I'm going to take these Nigerian boys to the hole and everything, and they thinking nobody ain't going to foul them hard. Shoot, like, them boys are letting them know, we ain't playing with you. Like we matter of fact, and see, and this is what I don't think a lot of these NBA guys get though, because they are so uh, caught up in the fame and you know being in these max contracts. Is that these dudes that they playing against? This is they audition for the NBA. They gonna do everything that they can to prove on a on a international stage with all the cameras that hey, I deserve I, I deserve my shot to play at the highest and most popular league in the world. 
So of course they're gonna bring it every game. These these like USA guys, they gotta get out of this like pampered and spoiled mindset. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, you're not playing in your home arena and everything like that. You're not playing in front of just American fans and everything like that. And you playing against dudes that watch you and study you all the time because they recognize you as some of the best in the world. And they're gonna give you everything that they got just because of the fact they wanna prove a point that hey, I deserve to be at that level too. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm guarding Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? I'm guarding, you know, uh who else on the team? Uh uh I don't know, man. Just whoever it may be that's that's currently on the roster right now. I can't I ain't got the roster in front of me and everything like that, but still these guys they gotta get out of that soft and entitled mindset and realize that man, this is a different ball game, this is a different set of rules, and we gotta adapt. Because if they do not adapt, it's gonna look a lot like 04. And if anybody remember the 2004 USA basketball team, to me, they just had a bunch of guys who were superstars but didn't understand their role. That's what made the Dream Team so great. That's what made the 96 team so great, the 2000 team so great, is because those guys, they all understood their role. 2008, the Redeem Team, they understood their roles. 12, 16, going forth, they understand their roles. So these guys, they have to understand what their roles are. And you got to understand that, hey, like, I'm not with my team, you know, just getting – you know, averaging, you know, 25, 30 points a game. Brad Bill, you got to realize, you know, you just, you ain't got the green light on every play anymore. You're playing alongside Kevin Durant now. You know what I'm saying? Like a guy that who gets the green light whenever the hell he won in Brooklyn. So it's a lot of things. Bam, you got to understand. Down low, them guys, they, they bringing it. You know what I'm saying? They, like they, like other countries have legitimate post players. In the NBA, the post player has kind of, you know, become less popular. You're going to have to be able to defend those guys, defend those post moves. It's just, it's just a whole lot of adjustments that's just going to have to happen. But I think they got the right coach and Greg Popovich to get it done. And then also, people, this is just an exhibition. It's, you got to remember the fact Steph Curry ain't there. LeBron James ain't there. If I'm not mistaken, Dame Lillard ain't there. Obviously, the guys that's playing in the NBA Finals ain't there. Shoot, some of the guys that just played in the Western Conference. Oh, we know Trey Young. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, uh. Where's Jimmy Butler? You know what I'm saying on this team. Where's um my boy? Um, that was just um, damn, I can't think of his name or whatever. Paul George, he ain't there right now. So it's just so many people that's just not there to be able to contribute, you know, to USA basketball. So we can't just you know overreact and just say, oh, you know, it's just gonna be like 04 all over again, blah 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 blah. Because you gotta understand with the 04 team. You had guys, a lot of guys that were just, you know, freshly in the NBA, only played a year, like LeBron, Melo, and D-Wade, and Bosh, and all them dudes. Them dudes, they got drafted a year before in 03. So it's a little bit different situation and everything like that, but I think it's a good Yeah, I think, like, you know, the coaching staff on the Greg Popovich, uh, you know, he's going to have, you know, those guys ready and prepared. And then also if LeBron James, if he comes as a reinforcement, you know, he's, you know, the most respected player uh in the league uh so for a very long time so i think he's going to provide adequate leadership um to that team and just have those guys you know you know real you know just uh, dialed in and focused and just really explain to them the legacy of winning a gold medal you know because you know winning a gold medal to me that's equivalent of winning you know uh a, a, a nba championship just because you know with, with a gold medal you competed against literally you know the best in the world with the best in the world so Man, and there's so many different, you know, good coaches on that staff, you know, that I just feel like they're going to be able to help those young guys and really uh, put those guys in a uh, situation of success. You know, you got Jay Wright from Villanova, Jeff Van Gundy, P. Excuse me, PJ Carlissimo, Jeff Capel. You know, uh, there's so many different guys, you know, that's that's on the select team right now. And I think, you know, with, you know, those mixture of coaches and whatnot, whoever they select to be the final coaches or whatever, they're going to have great rapport with Coach Popovich. And Coach Popovich, he's just going to, you know, allow his message to, you know, be spread throughout that roster and just really just teach them the importance of the Olympics and, you know, representing their country and uh, the legacy that goes along with winning a gold medal and how that it can impact their, you know, their own personal legacies as well. No lies told there. Let's recap the exhibition schedule remaining before we dive into the actual Olympic schedule. Coming up, as you're hearing this on the 15th, on the 16th, USA runs it back with Australia. 
On Sunday the 18th, they play Spain. And then the official Olympic schedule begins on Sunday, July 25th, when they play France. So opening ceremonies are on July 23rd. USA basketball tips off on the 25th. And in their pool schedule, they're scheduled to play France, Iran, and the Czech Republic in Group A. So they have to win those games to qualify for the single elimination phase of the Olympics tournament, which begins a few days later on August the 3rd. So here's my question for you, Taylor. Does this, after all we've covered, does this year's USA men's basketball team have what it takes to come back with the fourth consecutive Olympic gold medal? Yes, if the proper reinforcements arrive. Yes. With the team that they have currently constructed, no. I don't think they'll do it. I think at best, you know, they'll silver medal. At worst, bronze medal. You know, that'll be just off of talent alone. But until these guys, you know, get guys in there, you know, that can provide veteran leadership, guys that have played at a high level, you know, not only in the NBA, you know what I'm saying, as far as, you know, playing in the NBA Finals, Western Conference Finals whatsoever, but guys that have played at a high level internationally, and they understand the rules, understand what you got to bring, and understand that, you know, this is, you know, a different ball game because you're not playing by NBA rules, you're playing by international rules. So it's, 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 it can happen. I think that they can do it, but those things have to happen, along with Greg Popovich being able to uh, get his message across to these young guys who are on the roster. And this is their first time, you know, really, you know, playing in the Olympics and international competition. I agree with you. The only caveat that I have to that, you know, we've got three players on the roster who have at least one gold medal. You know, Katie and Kevin Love have two. Draymond has one. So rely on that veteran leadership. And as you mentioned a few moments ago, focusing on that paint presence, because you've got the internationals, which are more, much more beat and bang friendly, like you mentioned a few moments ago, whereas not calling these players soft like you did, but it's kind of soft-ish the way that officials call post-play now in the NBA. Plus, these NBA players have a relationship with these officials. You know, you don't, of course, you don't have the same officials every game, but you have a rotation. You see officiating crews together. So you see them. They know what to look for. They know when you're bending the rules. They know you're good, you're bad, you're ugly. International ball, those officials don't care. You don't have that bond. You don't have that camaraderie. So you're not not going to get those favorable calls when you're out playing hero ball and you need that, oh, I'm KD foul. You don't get that, I'm KD foul. So I think it's just going to take them locking in, which something that also we have to take in mind. A team like this, They have to get used to playing together. One of the advantages of some of the international teams, they've had longer to play together. Some of these teams, their players just got done playing games in the past two weeks. So, you know, not a whole lot of time to get your body healthy, get your body and your mind focused and together. So... It's going to be exciting to see how it works out. I really think that this team can do it. And I think the schedule is favorable for them to be able to advance to the single elimination portion of the tournament. And then it just gets to, you know, not dropping games that they shouldn't at that point. Because I definitely think France will be a tough competitor the very first game out. But there shouldn't be any hiccups with Iran and then the Czech Republic. And then that'll put you right into the quarterfinals and you just got to lock in from there. 
Do you have any other thoughts on USA basketball as we leave them now before the tournament begins? Not at all, man. I just hope they don't drop no more games, man. I hope they <laughs> pick up, you know, pick up where they left off with the um, win against Argentina. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're gonna move forward. We're not going to touch on Major League Baseball on this week's episode, just because we got something special in the works for you guys. So we're gonna sit back and let that come to you when it's ready. Let's transition to our quick hitters and mailbag portion of the program. And we got one question this week, and we appreciate everybody who sends in questions and thoughts on the world of sports. And this week's question is, will Conor McGregor ever be the same competitive fighter that he was when he was getting his career launched? Just to kind of preface that, you know, last Saturday night in Vegas, UFC 264, Conor McGregor lost the third fight in the trilogy against Dustin Poirier via referee stoppage. He broke multiple bones in his leg after taking a punch and then trying to go back and plant his foot. And it was just really, if you haven't seen it, don't go looking for it. It's kind of gross. And he immediately hits the ground. He had surgery and he says he's going to be on crutches for six weeks, then immediately back in training to get back in fighting shape. But we shall see. Taylor, do you think Connor can ever get back to being the notorious Connor McGregor again? Hell no, unless you start fighting Bone. It's over with for Connor. Let me tell you something, man. It was over with for Connor when he tried to fight Floyd Mayweather and he got embarrassed in front of millions and billions. Of how many people watched that shit? That was embarrassing, bro. You know what I'm saying? Go out there this week, you fight Poirier. This past weekend, you fight Poirier, he kicked your ass. Like, that was quick. You ain't put up, you ain't, or you ain't even really put up no fight against that man. That man just, just did you. You look old and slow and unathletic and you do all this talking, all this capping. And I understand it's a part of your persona. On who you are, and it and it's made you, you know, this uh, you know, popular figure. You know what I'm saying? This figure that everybody pays attention to and everything like that. But at the same time, bro, you got to go out and perform, man. Dude, 2022, you'll be 34 years old. Like, bro, you got to figure out, you know, can you still do this? You know, or are you at your decline, and do you need to transition into something else? Because based on what we saw in these past couple of fights, Conor McGregor is not the same Conor McGregor. So. I, I just, if he was like maybe, you know, five, six years younger or something like that, yeah, because I say there's more time for him to rebuild, you know, his career and to get back on track. But, but you know, based on what I've seen, I just don't see it happening at all. I'm sorry. It just, it was, and like I said, it was over with when he tried to fight Floyd. He tried to do something that you were not used to doing when you were dominating one sport. You should have stayed in your lane. And at that point, it just added more pressure, added more unneeded attention and more unneeded press to you. You know what I'm saying? And now, like, you're expected every time to go out and just be this badass. And, and you know, in sports like, you know, mixed martial arts, you just can't be the badass every single time. Somebody's going to humble you. Floyd was the first person to humble, humble him. And it's just continued to happen. You know what I'm saying? Over the past few years. So I, I just, no, nah, I don't see it. I don't see it. The only way it could happen, like legitimately happen, is I don't know. Maybe he like truly humbles himself, and maybe I don't know. Maybe if he gets some trainers, new coaches, I don't know. Man, learns a new style, but I don't know. At this point in the game, like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. See, here's where I want to go with logic, and then I want to go with fandom just a little bit. Let's look back to August 26, 2017. That's Conor Floyd in their boxing match. Since then, Conor is 1-3 and three in UFC competition, including Saturday night stoppage loss. In January of this year, he was TKO'd by Dustin Poirier. His only, he only had one win. And then prior to that, was choked out by Khabib Nurmagomedov. 
So your losses haven't been decision losses. They've been stoppage losses, whether it be TKO, whether it be submission, whether it be injury. The marvels of modern medicine are extreme. But with that type of leg injury at 33 years old, can Connor get back to being what he was? Anderson Silva suffered a very similar injury, but he was a few years older than Connor, and he honestly was never the same fighter. He had a lot more mileage on his body as well. So from the physical standpoint, I think Connor could get back to being very close to the fighter he once was. But a key point that you made a moment ago, he has to humble himself. He has to want to be a fighter and not a personality, not a celebrity. Because now, when you hear the name Conor McGregor, him actually being a mixed martial artist is fourth or fifth on the list of things that come to mind when you hear his name. You hear his whiskey brand. You hear this that he's promoting. You hear that that he's promoting. The sound bites, the outlandish things he says and does. And then we peel all that aside. Oh, yeah, he occasionally fights, too. Connor's one of those fighters that when he came up, he was fighting three to four times a year. And now he fights once, maybe twice a year. Fighting is just like any other skill. If you don't sharpen it and hone it and utilize it, it diminishes. So if Connor really wants to be a top-level UFC competitor again, he's got to get his mind right, get his body right, and be less celebrity and be more fighter. If he does that and shuts his mouth, not completely, because, you know, he's never going to do that. Once he established the fame and got all of that, he realized he had a, a, just a vertical brand just growing off of the ignorance that he spewed out of his mouth. So that's never going to stop. But if he just turns it down just a little bit and focuses that energy on being the best fighter possible, he can get back. But Taylor, that's the only mailback question we've got this week. Let's transition to our final segment every week, our closing thoughts. Birthday boy, the floor is yours. Yeah, man. Well, first and foremost, uh, sports-wise, another bit of news, man, that I really like and, you know, that I think is a great move. Uh, Penny Hardaway, the head coach of the Memphis Tigers uh, collegiate basketball team, recently hired Long-time NBA coach, NBA legend, NBA champion coach, uh, Larry Brown. And, man, I just think that's a good move. I think that it's going to add to that program and for these young guys, these Generation X guys, millennials, or whatever you want to call them, like to have that type of uh, uh, legendary coach giving you wisdom, you know, this early in your career, I think that's a good thing. So, shout-out to Penny Hardaway, shout-out to Larry Brown and the Memphis Tigers. Um, but... Personally, man, I just want to say, man, it's a blessing, man, you know, just, just to be here again. You know, I just lost a lot of people in my life this past year and whatnot, and it's just very fortunate that, you know, I'm still here and that I'm able to do a, a great podcast with a great person such as Jason McDowell, McDowell and formerly Mr. Edward Jones. So it's just uh, it's a blessing. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, people, I just tell people all the time, man, live your life, man. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. And one of the best pieces of advice that my daddy gave me, he gave me this advice on his 60th birthday. There's a goal. There's something that you want to do, something that you want to accomplish. Go out and do it now. Do not let time pass you by. Like, whatever it is, go for it. Attack it. Because you never know when that last day may be or, you know, when your time may pass you by. So take advantage of the time now while you can. And that's insightful and that's truthful. And this week, 
Man, I'm I'm honest. I'm gonna be d- dead ass with y'all. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of hurting. I've lost a lot of people in a really short time period, and I'm emotionally spent. I gotta take time for myself. You gotta take time for yourself. This world continues to flow every day. The same 24 hours go by for all of us. Well, you do in your 24 hours is your business. But these 24 hours keep going by. But you got to take care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally to get the maximum value out of your 24 hours. Because nobody can do your 24 hours better than you can. So take care of yourself and put your best foot forward. But guys, it's all love. We thank you for once again listening, joining us on this ride that we do every week. Taylor, I hope your birthday is everything that you need, want, and deserve. For those of y'all listening, we thank you for doing this with us one more time. We will see you soon and very soon with more Unconquered Era content. For Taylor, I'm Jason. We'll see you next time.